All right, welcome everyone to our Polaris podcast. I'm Jeremy Whitbeck, a partner of the Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, and we have with us Jeff Powell. Jeff is our managing partner and chief investment officer. Jeff, great to talk to you this morning. Good to be here. So Jeff, we've had uh, a little bit of excitement in the market recently, um, meaning uh, a little bit more volatility than what we've been experiencing here for the past nine months and hoping that you can kind of break down what we're going through both on a fundamental basis and then also some of the uh, technical trends that we're seeing. And so Jeff, do you mind laying the stage at how is the market uh, perceiving just the things that are going on within the US and the world economy right now? Yeah, absolutely, Jeremy. The the market just have taken a little bit of a, a pullback over the last week uh, or thereabouts, and, and we're starting to hear a little bit of rumblings from clients, so we figured that it would be worth our while uh, just to kind of address a few things that are going on. Nothing that's been major with regard to pullbacks, but just, again, starting to see a waffling back and forth between growth and value and where leadership is being, uh, where leadership is being found in our markets, which is not uncommon. In most cases, you don't have a market that just switches and has every day be a value day or every day be a growth day or everybody being a domestic versus international. So what we're seeing right now in this current market has been just a little bit of push within a few areas of the market that have been historically more growth oriented, being the information technology and the uh, communication services uh, segments of the marketplace have, have been showing a little bit more strength, uh, but then we get into a day like today and all of a sudden we've got a flip-flop back to values. So uh, we had a couple clients that were expressing a little bit of concern of has the value marketplace already had its run? The answer is not even close. The, the answer is that we're just now starting to see some of the impacts and really we haven't seen anything close to the full impact of, of the stimulus package that's been put together and the future recovery as we have more shots in arms. Yeah, and so Jeff, do you mind uh, talking a little bit more about that? Because I think that's something that's really exciting. And I know a lot of questions have been, you know, is this, is, is there legs here? Um, a lot of optimism obviously priced in last year. Was it improperly placed? Are we really starting to get out of the woods? And I think uh, 2021, there's been a lot of great developments and we're seeing uh, steady progress. What are some of the uh, key statistics that you're looking at that should drive the markets? Well, I think that we talked about this in, in the webinar, and, and it's certainly worth repeating now. Everything that is going on in this current market is COVID-related. Everything that we're looking at moving forward until we have a herd immunity is COVID-related. And so you're going to have little bits of pullback here and there. You're going to have a little bit of concern here and there that go on when there's news that comes out about it. So when you hear a certain vaccine has been stopped in use in a specific country, or when you hear about potential side effects of a vaccine, those are things that get people concerned. I mean, already in the US, uh, where we're seeing the majority of the vaccinations are really Johnson & Johnson, Moderna, and Pfizer, and there really hasn't been much in the way of side effects, but you still have a lot of Americans that are afraid to get vaccinated because they're just, it's a new product and they just don't really understand uh, the positive or the negative implications with that. But really when we're looking at the United States and, and what we're doing with our rollout, it's it's been pretty successful. I mean, we're 
we are up to having approximately 25% of our population with at least one shot in our arm and uh, approximately half of that with a second dose in and really a push to have uh, everybody vaccinated or as many people vaccinated as possible into May. That's big. But what these side effects are is obviously we're a wealthier country. We are seeing less vaccinations on a worldwide basis than I would like to see. And we're seeing uh, major breakouts in places like Brazil. There's talk about a third wave hitting Europe. Uh, so those are things that could have a negative impact on a global economy basis. But what we're really looking at is really hoping that the United States gets its feet underneath it since it's the largest economy in the world. And then obviously, you know, in order for this to really work and not have variants and mutations to the coronavirus that we're dealing with right now, COVID-19, we really need to get a worldwide vaccination going. Yeah. And uh, to your point, Jeff, I think that's uh, a part that's the most exciting is that we are literally knocking on the door of uh, getting <clears throat> a rollout that's going to significantly uh, boost our numbers towards that uh, herd mentality that we heard talk about a lot last year. Um, Jeff, in, in previous uh, podcasts, you've talked a lot about how the uh, recovery of markets don't all just happen with one set of securities through the whole thing, but that there's different waves that will take place. And uh, you'd previously mentioned that it looked like a second wave of securities were really starting to uh, take off and that we're seeing a change in leadership. And now that we've had some time, um, there's certainly been a lot of confirmation that you were correct, that that's indeed what has happened. Do you mind giving us a little bit more detail as to what does that second wave look like and how have you've been able to position the portfolios to take advantage of that um, rise in those securities? So within that, that whole range, really what we're looking at is, is a few different fold. One is where do we, or what do we look like as a country from a demographic standpoint, from just a, a full recovery? What does our economy look like? How are people spending money? What is demographically shifted? where do we want to have our money and so really what you want to be thinking about uh, i kind of talked about this in a a recent bloomberg radio interview that i was uh, talking to a host about is when you're looking out 12 or 18 months think about it like a quarterback throwing a, a pass to a wide receiver you don't want to be throwing to where the wide receiver is you want to throw it to where they're going to be and that's really important for portfolio management as well we need to be thinking out. We need to be thinking strategically. When you look at uh, things like travel and leisure, for example, which we have not backed the truck up and poured everything into those types of areas, but we've definitely had uh, good exposure in these areas, and we have for a little while. When things fully recover, do you think that people are going to travel more? Now, I've heard arguments about business travel and everything else, and there's there's some room for that. But there's so much pent-up demand for leisure travel. Uh, I'm sure that you would love to be on a trip right now. I would be. It's coming up on my kids' spring break. Uh, I'm thinking back to where I was supposed to be a year ago in Hawaii, which that trip got canceled. There is so much pent-up demand. I talked to our retirees who are saying, hey, look, I just got into retirement, and all I wanted to do when I first retired was to travel, and now I can't. And it's this huge disappointment. So we already have people that are booking travel. You know, they're doing riverboats in Europe. They're doing 
you know, they're 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 lining up their travel plans for when COVID is under control, and so recovery is going to be there. Uh, the the herd immunity that we're talking about will come. It's not a question of if; it's a question of when. And really, the the speed in which we capture that herd immunity means that recovery from a global economic standpoint happens just that much faster. Obviously, if we're in the United States and we have herd immunity here, but we don't have herd immunity in lots of other places in the world, then you run risk, again, of mutations happening, uh, like you're seeing going on in Brazil, like you're seeing going on in South Africa in particular. Obviously, there's a UK variant, but they're not really sure where that one actually started. It was just tested and found in the UK, but it's not necessarily where it's mutating. And so with that, we really do need to have a, a better rollout from a global perspective. Uh, the United States actually did something very smart early into COVID, and that was to fund uh, nine, 10 different uh, groups that they thought were the, the ones that had the best chance at coming up with a vaccination. And oh, by the way, not only did we help fund it, but then we also said, and oh, by the way, we'll take 600, 700 million doses of that when you have an approved vaccination. So the United States was a little bit ahead of the game where a number of other countries were not. We should see that start pouring in uh, with other companies partnering. You've got Merck coming in. You've got a number of other companies that are coming in that are, are not in the forefront of, hey, I've got an approved vaccination, but they're willing to step in and help make the vaccinations in order to be able to, to uh, distribute them that much faster to the worldwide population. So when we see that happening, uh, that really will be a big factor. Now, when it comes to what we're looking at, travel leaders are obviously part of it. There's also things in which uh, just even having a, a new stimulus coming in, you know, handing somebody a $1,400 check uh, as an individual or $2,800 as a couple, uh, and in some cases they'll have adult children that are living at home that are getting a $1,400 check that they don't need as well, uh, all of a sudden you've got a big inflow of cash that wasn't there before. So how are they gonna spend that? It's not gonna go uh, to savings. It's not gonna go to a number of things. It's gonna go in their bank account and then it's gonna be turned around and it's gonna be spent, which is the entire intention of this, is to again, help stimulate uh, the economies. Also, when we're looking at what uh, has come through with this most recent stimulus bill, was a lot of money that was being thrown at local governments. And local governments have been under a lot of pressure given a reduced sales tax, reduced property tax, reduced a number of other things. And so they had to make major cutbacks themselves. And part of those cutbacks were employees. So again, getting people uh, off the dole, so to speak, and getting them into a, uh, a situation where they're actually making money is a great thing. They're off unemployment and then they're back into the regular community and spending money the way that they would normally do. We are expecting GDP growth, just to put it out there for you, uh, Jeremy, we're expecting GDP growth to be slightly over 3%. And if you look at what's gone on historically since the Great Recession, uh, the US economy has been in a 2.3 range uh, 2.4, somewhere in that range, has been kind of the historical norms. So that alone should tell you that we're looking at having a, a factor of a, about 30% increase in GDP growth just this year alone. 
we're also expecting GDP growth to be very close, just slightly under 3% for 2022. We're also expecting significant earnings per share growth um, for the average S&P 500 company. So when we're looking at it, it's not only just the leadership, but it also will be a rising tide lifting all ships. We still feel very comfortable with what we're seeing with regard to the value side of the market. Uh, we just think that that has the, the better value and has the better legs underneath it to, to appreciate more. Uh, as we talked about before, there is a linear regression that you can uh, look at. It was actually in our, our last educational piece talking about the value tide is rising where value is about 65% undervalued right now, whereas growth is about 15% overvalued. So all things being considered, when you're dealing with a market that's recovering, do you want to go into the area that is 15% overvalued, or do you want to go into the area that's 65% undervalued? Yeah, well, Jeff, um, I mean, when you lay it out that way, it seems uh, uh, common sense that you'd want to go for the positions that are offering much better upside um, something that uh, we run in a lot to this day still is the market's at all-time highs. And Jeff, I know that you talked about this a lot, but I think it's worth uh, repeating here because it's probably the number one pause for concern that we hear from clients is, no, I understand everything. I understand what you're saying about the, the economy. I understand that the uh, GDP growth rates going up, but the market's at all-time highs. And so I'm very concerned about that. And we've talked about secular markets and secular trends. Do you mind just taking a few moments to restate that here? Why or how should be people be looking at the markets and why is this still a good opportunity to invest? Yeah, I, I, I hear that all the time too. And in fact, we've been continuing to encourage clients that are sitting on too large of cash positions to get your money working. Uh, again, one of the things that you can be looking at with that you're getting almost nothing in your checking account or your savings account. You're gonna lose 2% per year to inflation. And oh, by the way, if there is fear of inflation, which is part of what gave the markets pause over the last week, if there's higher inflation, that means you're gonna be losing even more purchasing power over the course of the next couple of years. But to your point, Jeremy, one of my favorite statements out there is, bull markets climb a wall of worry. We have clients that also refer to themselves as equal opportunity worriers. If the market's dropping, they're worried about it dropping. If it's going up too much, then they get worried about that. Here's the reality. There will always be a reason not to invest. Think, uh, if you are a historian, which I am, I love uh, understanding and not repeating the mistakes of days past, but go back and look at the run that happened from 1982 to 2000, an 18-year run, it was the last secular bull market we had. Now that might sound long, it's not. The average is 14 years. So yes, it went longer than normal, but from a historical standpoint, you're right on par. In 2013, we got done with our last secular bear market. From 2000 to 2013, we saw two major pullbacks, we saw recoveries after those, and then we broke to new highs, which is where you start looking at the definitional basis of the start of a, a secular bull market. The last secular bull market or bear market we had was from 1966 to 1982. So we went 16 years, so longer than what we dealt with. 
the historical norm for a secular bear market is 13 years. So you can have good things going on during a secular bear market, like we saw going on from 2003 to 2007. We also saw the recovery from 2009 and to 2013. Those are bull cycles inside of a secular bear market. We are now in a secular bull market. So just doing simple math, the average being 14 years and having seen much more elongated things that have gone on during this time period, 14 plus 13, because again, we started in 2013, we tack on 14 years to that, it puts you out to 2027 uh, before we would expect uh, kind of any inkling of a potential of a corrosion of. The shortest ever was nine and a half years, which still puts you out another year and a half from where we are right now uh, to where my, things uh, corrode if we were to see uh, this be the shortest secular bull market in market's history. Now, people would argue, okay, well, we just went through COVID. We had a 30% drop in the markets. We had a 20% drop back in 2018. Those are bear cycles inside of a secular bull market. During the 1982 to 2000 run, you had the 87 stock market crash and you had the 1990 uh, recession. That in 1990, the markets were down way more than 10%. Uh, they finished down about 10%, but they were intra-year down much more than that. Uh, so how is it that you would continue to say that it was an 18-year run? And that is, again, you know, bear cycles inside of a secular bull market. So with looking at where we are right now, Again, there will always be leadership changes, even within those secular bull and bear markets. Value attempts is in favor, growth is in favor. We've gone through a four and a half year time period in which growth was in favor. That's a very long time period for growth to be in favor and not have uh, value start to snap back. Um, it's another reason why we believe that value is, is uh, in great position. So again, don't let yourself get shaken out because the market's going up. Think about what was going on in the 1980s. We had a Cold War. We uh, almost had a real war uh, with uh, the Soviet Union at the time. We had the Berlin Wall fall. Uh, we also had terrorist attacks. We had a war in 1990. Uh, we had, uh, you know, there just time and time and time after again, uh, of reason not to be involved in the marketplace. And yet you got, a 22, 2300% return. So if you had a million dollars in the market at that time and you just let it ride the entire 18 year time period with allow, without allowing yourself to be shaken out, you finish that 18 year time period with more than a $20 million liquid net worth. So why wouldn't you allow the markets to work for you now? It, it, the main reason for it, Jeremy, and the, the only thing that I can really uh, say that's the difference is it's much easier to look back with hindsight and say, oh yeah, you know, this wasn't really that big of a deal and just let it ride. Uh, it's the Monday morning quarterbacking that you see continuously go on. I literally had somebody that I was talking to talk about, you know, last year being an easy year in the markets. I'm like, are you absolutely crazy? How is that anywhere uh, close to an easy year in the market? And our whole thing was, well, once stimulus money was thrown at the market in March, you knew it was going to go straight up. No, we didn't know it was going straight up. We were dealing with a once-in-a-lifetime situation. Was the stimulus that was being thrown in that direction enough? Not enough. I mean, 
that thing was put together in a nanosecond and put out there, which was great that they did it as quickly as they did on one front uh, in order to just get, you know, money in people's pockets so they could feed themselves. That being said, we'd never gone through that. That being said, you know, normally when you have a watershed event like what we dealt with uh, back in February, March, historically speaking, most of the time you have a second or third downturn from there. So I think people really, it's, it's very easy to go and look at things, um, you know, in a history book and go, gosh, it was so easy to see this trend from 82 to 2000. Why would you not? And the 87 stock market crash, well, that's not that big of a deal. It came back immediately. Yeah, it came back immediately, but people were still freaked out about it. And not, I mean, people were cashing out and doing the exact opposite. And people were committing suicide over the fact that the markets had dropped as much as they had as quickly as they had. Uh, and yet today we don't really remember that. So we're under our own microscope right now. We view every news bit, again, because it's available. Uh, everybody buys into every little news bit. And again, if we look at you know something I think is a lot more serious, which is how uh, search engines and so on feed us what we want to read. And so all that's happening within those circumstances is your own belief system being perpetuated and, and being told that you're correct instead of actually going out and looking to see if there's other opinions that might be as valid or more valid uh, than what you're trying to do yourself. So those are the things that I would be looking at, Jeremy, is, is, is the fact that there's a reason every day not to be investing. But if you could be Rip Van Winkle and fall asleep and wake up five years from now, where do you think the market's going to be? Do you really want to allow the markets and any kind of jostling going on over a very short period of time? Do you want that to be the legacy of your portfolio? Or do you want to sit there and allow it to work hard for you? And that's really, for, for me, one of my bigger underlying values is have my money work hard for me. You know, I want it out there. I want to have value being brought to the table by whoever's managing my money. And I want it working hard because I know what's out there. I know that there will be some inflation. You keep on throwing enough money at a market uh, and a market recovery like we have. I mean, right now we're four trillion in, and there's still talk of another potentially one to three trillion being thrown at infrastructure. We keep doing that. You're going to sit there and see an inflationary environment. You're going to see a devaluation in the dollar. You saw that last year, about a six percent drop in the dollar. So far this year, we've actually recovered a lot of that. Where the dollar is up two and a half, three percent for the year right now. So you were really not looking at having the same issues this moment, but you know, very well could turn where the, the dollar starts to drop more. The only way to really combat that from inside of your portfolio is to actually grow your portfolio, not sit there and have it sitting in cash, where again, if you've got your money sitting at the bank, earning you nothing, sitting in US dollars, and all the rest of the world's currency is going up, you're losing even more buying power from there. Because when you go buy your Toyota Camry, or when you go buy, you know, your Samsung phone, those, while they might be priced in dollars now, uh, all the uh, the rest of the stuff that's going into it is not from here. So you're going to end up paying, you know, Asian prices or European prices for that same product, and a dollar is not going to purchase as much. So those would be my warnings out there. 
uh, is to not allow for uh, the the static, the noise, the whatever uh, to, to affect your portfolio unless it's something real. And oh, by the way, we are constantly out there looking for what's real. It's like having a telescope and trying to find a, a meteor that might be coming towards Earth. Yeah, we, we need to know about that in advance. So we want to be looking out in the distance, looking for things that might actually have a negative impact for us. But on the flip side, let's not be overreactionary to every little pebble that we see in space. It makes no sense. Yeah. So Jeff, uh, great advice to, uh, to leave everyone with. And I'm just going to reemphasize the fact that there's always a reason to not be in the market. But historically speaking, you only need one good one to be in the market. And that is that it is the single most valuable uh, vehicle that we have to actually create wealth. It's one of the big differentiators that we've had in our lifetime that uh, when used properly can really uh, move people on the other side of the track, so to speak, and enable things for themselves and their family that quite frankly just weren't available um, in times past. So always appreciate your insights, appreciate your perspective, and Jeff really um, value just giving clarity to a lot of the things that are happening right now because certainly there's to your point, a lot of news, a lot of different opinions out there, and it's hard to know what's correct, what you should listen to, and what's just noise. Exactly. So as always, Jeff, thank you very much. I appreciate the time together. And for all of our listeners, as always, be happy, be safe, and be healthy. Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, LLC, is a federally registered investment advisor. The information, statements, and opinions expressed in this material are provided for general information only and are subject to change without notice. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, is not intended as a recommendation to purchase or sell any security, and is not intended as individual or specific advice. It should not be construed as investment, legal, or tax advice. Before acting on this material, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and, if necessary, seek professional advice. Polaris Wealth does not offer professional, legal, or tax advice. All information contained herein is believed to be accurate, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, LLC, and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. Past performance is no guarantee of future returns. Diversification does not assure a profit or protect against loss. Investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. No advice may be rendered by Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, LLC, unless a client service agreement is in place.